It is Wednesday, August 10th, and you are looking to run that back. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. Hey, Tom, you sound a little bit different. Are, are you okay? I'm feeling a little distant today. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I, I'm just not there. Yeah. You know? you, could, you know what I mean by that? By that, I mean I'm not actually there. Yeah. I am calling you from Western Massachusetts uh, as I am uh, home visiting family for this week. I, I'm so glad that you're able to do that, um, hitting the road, uh, and also, like, you know, on the lookout, uh, prospecting for good stories for us, too, right? Uh, always. Always, 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 yes. Uh, and uh, I can tell you that uh, we are ignoring the, the true heroes uh, of our time, which are uh, Boston cabbies. Uh, <laughs> uh, Boston cabby got me from the airport to a train station uh, in a uh, in a speed that should be recognized by both uh, NASCAR and Formula One. <laughs> well, we salute them. Tom is calling in from the wilds of New England. A uh, little bit later, I'll be joined uh, on the phone with old friend Mike Vago to talk about Kevin Durant and uh, and fantasy sports. Tom, two subjects that you have absolutely no interest in. Um, well, I just feel like I'm glad that uh, you have someone else to talk to about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I I do admit that there are times that sometimes that you're like, oh, Tom's away this week. What kind of weird, <laughs> weird stuff am I going to cover that Tom is kind of like, eh, I don't need to be a part of that one. <laughs> You go right ahead. No, I enjoy the the weird sports. So yeah, again, uh, uh, I'll listen later uh, as you will uh, hear about Kevin Durant from uh, someone who it immediately impacts. So of course, yeah, um, I think that should be fun. So we did have some actual sports in, uh, since last we spoke. Yay. We did um, one. So the Premier League has begun. Yeah, um, and it is the. Uh, it was missed and was uh, devoured on a little bit on Friday, a lot on Saturday morning, and some on Sunday morning. And it, it, it's it's just good TV. Yeah, and it, it's good. It is, and you know we've talked about it. I know you know it's going to make us angry um, when it happens. Having the World Cup in November and December, which just even seems wrong, um, just saying it out loud. But it meant that the Premier League started a week or two earlier and here we are we got to actually watch some sports yeah so i watched uh, a little bit of the arsenal match um mm -hmm. on friday afternoon against crystal palace had a nice nap during it too so um <laughs> like I, i'm okay with napping during sports we've talked about that too and then yeah um i watched uh liverpool and the newly promoted Nottingham Forest get promoted, uh, get um, playing, and uh, they ended up with a draw. Uh, Liverpool really having to push to uh, to match Nottingham Forest. So uh, already, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're back, baby. This is great." And that it's that's what makes the Premier League just so crazy that it is not playoffs; it is just regular season champion is the champion so the fact that liverpool drew on the first day could end up deciding the championship that will conclude sometime in the spring of 2023 totally um, yeah and also just that um 
Yeah, and not only did they draw, but they drew to a newly promoted team. Like, we're all making Sheriff of Nottingham stories, you know, like uh, jokes and everything like that. But, you know, it was it was a really fun game. And, yeah, immediately, yeah, Liverpool was just on their heels and needing to, you know, scrap, scrap, scrap just to sort of stay in the game. Um, uh, yeah, I do came back from a goal down twice, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Um, what we really should talk about is uh, the defending champion of the Premier League, Manchester City. Uh, they played um, uh, sort of the sort of marquee match on Sunday, um, uh, the the last one against West Ham, and uh, they were unveiling uh, sort of a new lineup. Um, you know, some old players, standby players had, had left Raheem Sterling, um, and some others. Um, and Gabriel then, Jesus. yeah, that's right. Um, and then, um, sort of unveiling their new striker who immediately went to work. So Tom, do you have a new boyfriend? Uh, it was amazing. Uh, it was so good. Well, one, I just want to say it made me realize how old I am and that I watch these athletes and be like, oh, that's like me. And they cut to his dad. And I was like, wait, his dad is younger than I am. Oh, my God, I'm so old. Um, so outside of that moment of, oh, wow. Um, and it was also very sweet to see how excited his dad was to, to see, you know, again, we do that a lot in American sports, but they, they did that well with, like, cut to the dad. Um, but, no, it was very exciting. Um, yes, yeah, so this this is uh, early Holland, who uh, they brought over uh, from one of the German teams. And, uh, wow, he scored both goals. I mean, one was a, a penalty kick, but mm -hmm. it was a penalty kick that he earned. And mm -hmm. again, it, you know, it was a penalty kick that was earned because the goalie basically came out and was like, well, if I don't trip him, he's going to score. Right. So I'm just going to swipe my arm and, and trip him. Um, and then the second – but just his speed. I mean, he's a really tall guy. Um, but just this idea of, like, if he sees a chance to, to break, he's just so fast and so big. So both goals were just him, like, accelerating towards the goal. And then the second one, he just had a perfect, like, oh, yeah, this is what I know how to do. Uh, so you're trying to cut off the angle. I'm going to kick it right by you. And they were just – just fantastic and again so satisfying i've talked about manchester city a lot i love how they control the pace of the game and all this stuff but a lot of times like um could someone please score <laughs> yeah uh, uh and they clearly went oh yeah we went we got the guy who when he touches the ball he tends to score and uh it's, it's exciting so you can tell that they they didn't look great throughout the whole game actually yeah west ham was seemed the better team in the first 15 minutes mm. or so um but yeah once they do figure out uh what is uh you know the the levels of adjustment they have a chance to be really quite good yeah um uh i only got to see a little bit of that match um but it was in the second half and i was like oh look at this team they're already in mid-season form with like yeah introducing new players new tactics that kind of thing um anything else uh stick out from you from the premier league weekend uh, just that some of the, you know, the, the top six or top eight teams uh, did look quite good. Like Tottenham really looked very good. Yeah. Um, Arsenal really looked very good. So it is nice to see some of these other teams that, you know, again, uh, 
I love the story of Nottingham Forest and some of the lower teams uh, showing up. But uh, there's the last couple of years, too, you're like, wow, Arsenal's not good. That's no fun. Mm-hmm. And like Tottenham sort of sputtering to 1-1 draws against teams you know they're better than. It was nice to see them get some good coaching and just they, they, they seemed impressive. And I'm, I'm excited to see them uh, challenge from you know, just below the top. Yeah, um, I I agree. I thought Arsenal looked very good. They've got a lot of talent. Um, you know, I am in a fantasy soccer league that features uh, uh, Premier League players. And so that was fun to have that um, WhatsApp thread um, revitalized this weekend. Um, yeah. Just uh, just lots of like, uh, sometimes you just get a text that'll just say like, "Oh, there it is," and you're like, "Oh, what just happened? What do I need to do? What do I need to be aware of?" You know, like there's never any context for it. Like, "Oh, sweet move by Raheem Sterling" or anything. It's just like, "Oh, you know, those kinds of things." You're like, "I need to find a computer, find find the phone." Like, what what do I need to to find here? So yeah, it's it's great to have it back. Um, and so uh, we've got you just for a couple more minutes uh Mm -hmm. so we did have the return of the nfl in terms of was there one preseason game or have we had a couple was it just the hall of fame game i i I think it's just a hall of fame game and then we're about to see a a bunch more yeah Um, yeah they'll uh, they'll be unveiled tomorrow yeah i i I don't feel like uh, preseason football is really anything you need to watch, particularly since many of the top level players don't choose to participate. Yeah. Um, so it's just nice to be reminded of football, but mm-hmm. I don't need to spend any time. And then, yeah, but hooray. Uh, so the Raiders were involved in the, the Hall of Fame game. Mm-hmm. So it was the first game under uh, the, the new coach, Josh and- McDaniel. Josh McDaniel. And then so hooray that he got a victory and they seemed efficiently run. You know, I mean, preseason doesn't really show you too much other than, which we'll talk about in a second. It was not something that you went, ooh, even for preseason, this looks terrible. Right. Um, so, hooray. They, again, uh, he seems to be excited, and there's just a lot of smiles on the sideline mm. and just not, not sort of tense weirdness of hanging over from previous administration or <laughs> yeah. um, substitute teacher. Um, uh, so, uh, hooray. But, yeah, so that uh, that is what I want to talk about a little bit, which is, People uh, point to preseason of sports, preseason of baseball, football, that uh, it's a time of hope where every team is, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, undefeated. And yeah, um, but I've noticed there's been a lot of snark about like, like people really pointing to the Patriots wondering why don't they have any coordinators and mm-hmm. what's going on there. Um, people pointing to the Bears being like, what's, uh, they continue just to make terrible decisions. You know? So I just, I'm like, hey, if I were supposed to give teams just to like, until you actually lose the first <laughs> yeah. game, like it's all just we're figuring it out but that uh, nope we have we have waived that uh every team uh is a winner preseason and there's been a lot of finger pointing of like even for preseason the, the, these handful of teams do not look like they know what they're doing yeah i i mean i think that's also just the nfl industrial complex sure. in, in the media just like needing things to talk about like yeah there it's just like come on look just have actual football happen so that we can even preseason so that there can be like, Hey, this guy could be a third string player, you know? Um, so we, we just need to get to that point. It's just like, you can tell that, uh, that the media members are just kind of salivating over that fact. Um, yeah. Uh, So, 
Yeah. Preseason football also, we've just seen it, and I think there was something else today. It just uh, something, you know, like, curse you gods of injury. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. So anything, you know, like, you know, like the, the Jets, I know you don't necessarily root for the Jets, but like, we got together and yeah. drafted this offensive lineman and literally just like running a drill, like, oh, blows out his knee, gone for the season. Like, come on. I know. Damn I know. you, gods of injury. Um, and there's just been a couple of things of like, oh, yeah, gone for the season. You're like, uh, it's just so frustrating. Like, I, I, I mean, I know you do preseason so that you are ready not to be injured in the real games, but uh, it's just so saddening to see someone who's just you know, gone for a whole season before they even got to play their first game. I mean, that's that's the whole thing, is that just like for your favorite team, you want there to be like, ooh, are, you know, are there unexpected surprises that we're going to see out of, you know, some of these unheralded players, sort of lower drafted or on. Uh, undrafted free agents you you want to see that and then you want to make sure nobody gets hurt like that's really all the goal is for the next month basically yes because it can lend itself to a fan base of that belief that we are cursed or this is just a doomed organization so you know i think you feel fortunate right now the bills seem to be uh, on the top of the ladder in terms of a team full of good players and good coaching that seems to, you know, be on their way and not like even in preseason. They, uh, uh, and then the, the Raiders uh, seem to have some optimism in their camp and not mm-hmm. like, here we go again. Right. But just to see, like, again, the, the Browns lost another wide receiver today to an injury, you know, uh, for the yeah. season. You know, you're like, it just lends that, like, here we go again, or we are cursed, we're doomed. I know this is a lot of supernatural to just preseason football. <laughs> um, but it, it, it just, when you see it and then you see what team it is, you're like oh that that's going to that's going to sting that's going to resonate and really make them wonder um why do we even bother when we can't even keep players on the field that's that's right um hey before you go uh yes. i haven't told you this uh, but okay. i had a i had a dream that involved the this show run that back um okay. that i thought so you know i know that sometimes telling dreams can sort of turn into like uh you know this was my trip to europe but you didn't get to go so why am i listening to this or like i don't i don't know your uncle i don't care about this story or fa- uh, this really delicious piece of cake last night yeah oh. <laughs> or, or here, here's yeah. what happened with my fantasy football team when you're like i don't care <laughs> you know um but anyways so i'll make it quick but uh in this dream suddenly i'm in like this like backyard kind of party gathering type thing and i find myself speaking with jimmy carter but it's not like 98 year old jimmy carter like currently like it's kind of like 55 year old jimmy carter like and he's kind of like you know totally like lucid and you know in good health and uh and spirits and you know i'm just talking to him and i'm like gosh just a really nice guy and you know engaging with him and suddenly i was like hey i should invite him on the radio show (laughs) and uh and i was like hey you know my radio show is about to start do you want to 
come on to it? And he was like, okay, sure, why not? And so <laughs> in within the logic of this dream, you know, we kind of like walked through this like out of this backyard, through this like apartment complex that you would find in Los Angeles, and suddenly <laughs> We're at the Asheville FM studio, but of course it's not the regular Asheville FM studio. I like walk through the station and there's like a big station meeting and there are all these people gathered through there. And, you know, Jimmy Carter and I have to weave in and out of people. And like, uh, so I sort of lock eyes with KP Whaley, our station manager. And he looks at me quizzically and I'm like, no, you're, this is going to be cool. This is going to be cool. And so we get in and we're, we get into the station. You're not there. So somehow like it's, you're on a road trip like this week. And, and so I sit down and we sit down in front of the mics and I said, and then suddenly I was like, wait, does Jimmy Carter know anything about sports? And I woke up and that was the end of the dream. So yeah, I just thought it was, and I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, did that really happen? Do I need to research Jimmy Carter? Like, does he know about sports? Like, does he follow like the Falcons or the Braves or something? And I'm, then I'm like, what are, you just dreamt that, you know? So, uh, so that was the, the dream story that I needed to share with everybody. Uh, it's, it's rich. Um, yeah. so uh, clearly you, uh, are anxious about my absence yes. and you feel like you needed to get uh, <laughs> someone big to be in my stead. Um, so it wasn't enough just to get Jimmy Carter, but uh, premium Jimmy Carter yeah. uh, to step in to uh, fill that seat, uh, which I think you can then let Mike Vago know that, hey, Mike, you're my... <laughs> 55-year-old Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Or Jimmy Carter had to cancel, so you are <laughs> replacing him. All right. Well, Tom, have a great rest of your trip. Thank you. Okay, so as I teased before the musical break, um, Tom Chalmers is not here, but we do have a good guest who is calling in, an old friend of mine, old running mate we've been talking about sports and weird sports stuff um since i think we were eight years old but it's our old friend mike vago hi mike how are you hey i'm sorry i can't be jimmy carter i i think i think you can push through like you know jimmy carter probably can't talk very well about sports you know he, he'd be like uh i don't think he would be like do the Braves need a new relief pitcher? I don't think so. I, I don't think he's he's going to do that. We were talking about bad impressions earlier. I don't think I can get away with it, Jimmy Carter. We are going to talk about Kevin Durant and the Nets. I'm going to be talking about Malays, so it's like having Jimmy Carter in the room with us. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, let's get into it. Um, you know, we teased this earlier. Um, but uh, Kevin Durant, uh, you know, all-world um, basketball player, one of the best basketball players in the NBA. He's been playing for the last few years for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, after not a great season, um, I think it's fair to say, uh, being eliminated um, from the playoffs, being swept by the Celtics in the first round, and then just an up-and-down season with Kyrie Irving in and out because of his vaccination status, trading James Harden. It's just a weird season for the Nets. So coming into the trade deadline, Kevin Durant said, I want to be traded, and then um, no trade happened. And so this very pa- – this 
last week he went in and met with ownership and management and said, I want to be traded. Don't forget. I really want this to happen. And so it's just been this like weird holding pattern that's kind of disrupting the rest of the league. Um, but, um, Mike, we are fortunate to talk to you because uh, you don't live directly in New York City, but adjacent to it, Jersey City. Uh, so before we talk about KD, like, do people in New York uh, care about the Nets that much? I mean, they're really a, a Knicks town, but how big are they? I mean, so I, I lived in Brooklyn for many years. Yeah. And around the same time I moved from Brooklyn to Jersey City, the Nets moved from New York to Brooklyn. Right. Yet in the process of doing that, I wouldn't cross paths. Then they became my team. Oh, and okay. I think, with, I think a lot of New Yorkers, when they came to Brooklyn, a lot of New Yorkers embraced the Nets, whereas when they were across the river, they may as well not have existed. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like everything across the river, including the rest of America. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I know one Nets fan, a guy who grew up in New York, but he kind of did it when the Nets were good in the early 2000s um went to yeah jason kidd but also just kind of like yeah i want to root for somebody else but he very much was like yeah nobody else like the nets well then like if you if you want to be an iconoclast even more than following the mets yes the nets is you're really putting yourself out there (laughs) but i also the thing that kind of got me back into basketball after a couple years of not paying attention was was Lynn Sanity. Yeah, when when Jeremy Lynn came out of nowhere and was a superstar for the Knicks for like a couple of weeks. Right, and then and then the Knicks dumped him, and I never forgave him for that. Right, yeah. So I was kind of looking for a team, and also I think the Nets not only did they move to they moved to Brooklyn, they built a brand new arena, the Jay Z Center, and they also had a lot of money behind them, and they made a lot of big splashes. And Kevin Durant has been one of my favorite players. James Harden has been one of my favorite players. And they're suddenly reunited. Yeah. And I thought, okay, this is amazing. These Nets are going to be great. They're doing all the right things. They're bringing in players I love. And how malaise. Yes. It's kind of, it's all falling apart. Um, Harden didn't want to be there. Durant, you know, he's phenomenally talented. He miraculously got over this injury that would have been a career ender for a lot of other people. But he just doesn't seem to want to play for anybody. Yeah. That's the weird thing. So, you know, he left Oklahoma City because he was like, I'm kind of tired of Russell Westbrook. I'm ready to go someplace else. You know, he'd been in, you know, the same place, um, the same city for seven years, you know, since he was like, you know, 20 years old. And so you could sort of understand it. Like, you know, you know, you go to college and you're in one place for a long time and you sort of like stay in the same city that you went to college you know like you could you could see like it's time for me to try something so i was like okay yeah get it then he goes to the greatest team of all time basically um uh the golden state warriors they win a couple of championships um and then they they lose they lose one because of devastating injuries and so then he was like i I, he was kind of like well that was steph curry's team um and I kind of want my own team and I kind of want to prove that I can do my own thing. And you're like, okay, I guess, or you could just stay on this really good team. So then he goes and he says, I'm going to bring Kyrie Irving. And everybody was kind of like, but it's Kyrie Irving, right? You know what you're getting with this guy. And it was like, okay, we'll just do it. And they've kind of like the Nets organization has, have 
given Durant like the keys to the thing of like, oh, you want this coach fired? We'll do it. You want us to sign these players that you want? We'll do it. Trade for Harden. We'll give away everything. We'll do it. Okay, we're going to trade Harden away. Okay, we'll do it. And then finally, I think they were kind of like, wait a second, this is our team. It isn't that guy's team. And and then Durant was like, yeah, so I'm gone then. And, and all those demands, like none, none of those things that they did for him helped. Right. And and his latest demand is that they fire the coach and the GM. And the Nets kind of didn't respond directly to KD, but they did just publish a thing. I don't know if it was on Twitter or what, but they just published a statement saying, you know, we, we love and support our coach and general manager. Right. And so I think that was just a shot across the bow at Durant. So now Durant's saying he might hold out, and I kind of picture the Nets ownership as being the Wonka meme of like, no, stop, come back. <laughs> right, exactly. And then, um, so does this, um, what Kevin Durant is doing, like we, I know that you and I, you, you said it earlier, uh, we, we have an affinity for Kevin Durant. We've always liked him. He plays the game really well, and he competes his butt off. Like there's no denying you know, his talent, his commitment, all of that. But does this episode, does this affect how you feel about Katie? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of soured me on him. Yeah. Um, you know, malaise. Uh, <laughs> yes. And he's been my favorite for, you know, I loved him in OKC and I loved seeing him go to Golden State. And like, now he's on a great team with another, another one of the best players in the league and winning. And like, you know, that, that was exciting. I was so excited that he came to the Nets. I was like horrified when he got hurt. Right. And um, and then I was delighted to see him come back, and now it's kind of like, okay, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> Especially because he's getting to an age where, like, he's not going to be at the top for very much longer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this, go. Is what he, this is what he's doing. And, I'll, and I'm, I've come around to siding with the Nets. I know. It's, it's really time, weird. Yeah. Like, the Nets, you know, they came and they spent all this money, they go to these great players, and the, the results was kind of a mess because, like, locker room chemistry is important. And when, when when Durant was on Oklahoma City with Harden and Westbrook, I remember reading a profile back then about how um, the writer used a metaphor about how tornadoes in Oklahoma are formed because three different kinds of wind come mm. sort of from three different directions. And that was those three guys. They each had a different game. And those sort of three kinds of heat all combined and just made magic. And now you've got the Nets with three different varieties of pains in the butt. <laughs> because you've got you've got Durant who's just making demands and wants everything to be on his terms and doesn't want to play anywhere. You've got Kyrie who's got his own issues on top of issues and can't even play every game because he refuses to get vaccinated. And then they traded for Ben Simmons who doesn't seem to want to play the game of basketball that much. <laughs> right. And this is it's they're doing two things wrong that teams do wrong, which is throwing money at a bunch of big names who don't necessarily gel. And also looking at potential, like Durant still has the potential to be one of the best players in the in the league if he's in the right situation. And there is no such thing as the right situation anymore for Kevin Durant. Right. Simmons, you know, has all this talent that is unrealized. And like it's been a couple of years now and he didn't do anything when he was on Philly. And I don't expect him to do anything on the Nets. So if like if I were running the Nets, I would cut Durant loose. I would trade Kyrie for a bunch of picks. And I would tank like I was storming the beaches of Normandy. Well, the, and yeah. you know, start start building a team the way you're supposed to, a thing that works, which is draft good players. Yeah. And that takes patience, and I don't know whether the Nets front office has patience. 
because they do you know, have a relatively new arena in Brooklyn they have to fill and all this, but they have the money to take it on the chin. And they also, if they can, you know, put together some good picks and draft some good players, unlike Oklahoma City who couldn't hang on to theirs, the Nets have the money. They can, you know, if they can draft good players, they can keep them. And they could build a team that's going to last instead of these kind of superstars who are all butting heads and making demands and, um, you know, kind of playing when they feel like. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation. First of all, um, many, many points to Gryffindor for you using the word malaise, um, <laughs> which Jimmy Carter made famous. Also, I loved your weather metaphor. Didn't love so much the old man metaphor pains, three different pains <laughs> in the butt. Um, yeah, that hits a little too close to home. Uh, but the other big problem that they're running into is that Kevin Durant seems to be dissatisfied wherever he goes. And so the teams are all like, well, we don't really want to trade for that guy. Like, is he going to want to be here? You know, like we've got a thing and, and they're like, or we'll trade for him, but you're not going to get nearly the value that you want out of this. And so that's, that puts the nets in a tough place because they're like, yeah, we need to be competitive. We need to be like an item in New York in some way and show some sort of uh, progress, show something. You know, Mike, they traded away all their first-round draft choices to get James Harden and didn't really get any in return. So they, they're they just like bereft of picks right now. So if they want to trade those guys, um, you know, most teams are like lowballing them because – they should, you know, they're like, yeah, they have no, they have no leverage. I mean, that's the thing. They're, they're, yeah. they're in a hole. They're going to be in a hole for a while. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't look pretty. I mean, we'll probably see him go to like Miami, um, who will give, give them like 60 cents on the dollar. You know, Boston could give them a pretty good package. The Sixers could, but you know, these are all Eastern conference teams who will be playing the, the nets, you know, however many times a year with KD coming back through the, through the building and scorching them it's just going to be painful all around it's just a bad bad situation yeah they've just they've just kind of created a perfect mess for themselves okay we are back here on run that back we've got mike vago on the line um just quick programming note want to let you know that um that Fran Murphy is not in the house. Our intern, Fran, the intern who gets blamed for everything around here. Um, but he uh, was not able to join us. So we do not have a local sports calendar. Uh, and I won't subject you to me making something up uh, off the fly. That's probably not true. So, uh, yeah, get your fake sports news here at Run That Back. Uh, we're not going to be doing that. We've got Mike Vega here on the line. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about fantasy sports transitioning away from Kevin Durant and the sour times of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but um, wanted to let you guys know that Mike is a published author. Uh, he's got a new book coming out, and he has some previous books that are sports adjacent. Is that uh, one of them is kind of a sport? Maybe you can describe them better than me. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. So, um, I, I this my sixth book is coming out in October. I'll talk about it in a second. Six book, and, woo! I know, and I'm uh, but I'm more of a paper engineer than a, than a uh, <laughs> than a writer. My first book was a working playable miniature golf course in book form called the miniature book of miniature golf that book is so and, cool yeah and you can it comes with a tiny golf ball 
there's a tiny, tiny golf club and two ball bearings, and you can play. There's a hole in the cover. You drop the ball in. You open up the book, and the ball's sitting on page one, and it's got a fuzzy surface like the you know putting green, and you play through, and there's a hole on the end of page one, and it drops down to page two, and you play your way down through the book. And so that was a big hit. And so the publisher asked me, well, what other sport can you do? Yeah. And the problem is golf is unique in that you go from sort of place to place as you play it. Right. And so there are all these different designs of courses. Um, whereas, like, the Yankees play every single game in the same you know place, 82, 82 home games a year. So um, so I, I you know, try to do every sport I can think of. The one thing I could do for a sequel was billiards. Right. Because even though you play pool on the same table, unless you're playing snooker, there are so many variations. So I wrote a book about variations on pool from throughout history and around the world, and that comes with a little plastic pool table um, that you can play a game on. And then I do two children's books, Train and Rocket, mm-hmm. where there's a plastic piece that is a train or a rocket. And it's a you know children's picture book. And the train glides across the page following the words of the story as you read along. It gets to the end of the page, it pivots, and it goes to the next page, and you can drive it all the way through the book. That book is so cool. Yeah, that is, that is my favorite idea. But the, uh, the new idea is the, this book comes out in October, but it's available for pre-order from your local bookstore. Uh, it's called The Planets Are Very, Very, Very Far Away. And the premise is, all your life you've seen a model of the solar system where there's a little circle for each of the planets and they're little round dots and they're all kind of almost bumping into each other. All your life you have been lied to. <laughs> the, planets, the planets do not go in little circles. They're not close to each other at all. They're very, very, very far away. Yes. So it's a, it's a kid's book about the solar system and it starts by introducing the concept of scale and why the maps you've seen are wrong because it's hard to fit in a you know corner of your textbook or whatever. So you go through a couple of pages talking about this and then there's a page that folds out like a gatefold and then folds out again. So it's six pages wide. It's five feet wide. And at one side of this five-foot page spread, the sun is about the size of a dime. Yeah. And at the other side, the earth is the size of like a pinprick. Wow. And in, be- in between this is just vast emptiness. <laughs> right. The planets, are, the planets are just little specks of dust, you know, trailing around the sun. And, you know, when my kids, my kids are teenagers now, when they were little, and they were they went through their outer space phase and a lot of you know, young boys go through. Um, I saw something that they looked they had like a three D model of the universe on the computer, they had you know, all this stuff, and I just got a sense of that scale. Mm-hmm. And it took me years to figure out how could you put this in a book because it's really just kind of mind blowing how much emptiness there is in between in between the planets. And so I found a way to do that. And so the book goes all the way out. Like the first spread is five feet wide, it only gets you to Earth. And that's, I think, a trillion to one scale. Wow. So then the next on the next foldout goes to a 10 trillion to one. <laughs> yeah. And that gets you to Saturn. <laughs> yes. And then you go to 100 trillion to one, and that gets you to the dwarf planets. And then it you know, scales up and talks about the galaxies and other galaxies. And then in between, you get sort of baseball cards on each of the planets. Oh, that's cool. And, and facts about them and photos from NASA, because thankfully, like as I was developing the book, we went to Pluto and took remarkably good photos. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, you know, thank you, NASA. And the, there, another. this is a really exciting time to be talking about this stuff because... Wait, so you're counting Pluto as a planet? Well, here's my take, and this is in the book. Okay. That, you know, people were upset that Pluto isn't a planet anymore. The way I look at it is we now have so many planets, we need two categories. 
Ah, you know, there's yeah. There's 16 planets instead of eight. And so when they discovered other dwarf planets, they realized, oh, there are more things like Pluto. We need another category to put planets in. So even the book kind of breaks them up into the inner planets, which are, um, you know, kind of medium sized and made of rock, the gas giants, which are made of gas and giant, and then the dwarf planets, which are, um, you know, which are much smaller and there's sort of different criteria for a dwarf planet. Right. Enough gravity to kind of push everything out of the way. So often they're in the asteroid belt or there's other things nearby. Whereas a planet the size of Earth, you know, in the primordial, you know, era, anything that was floating near Earth either got pushed away or pulled in. So there, you know, the categories make sense. Yeah, totally. So it's not that like Pluto isn't a planet. It's that we have this whole new category of planets. We found a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, so now we need to figure out how to categorize them. Exactly. And one of the exciting things about the book and coming out right now is that I worry that like within a year or two, it's going to be out of date because they're discovering more dwarf planets in, in our solar system. They're discovering exoplanets at a remarkable rate, which is planets that are around other stars. And so it's it's sort of at this time when we're, we're I feel like there was a lull in space exploration for a while. Right. And in the last couple of years, they've just discovered all this stuff, and they just launched the new telescope. And you know, several billionaires are making crazy plans to go to Mars. <laughs> right. like NASA's NASA's got a serious plan to build a moon base and then go to Mars from there. Like there's there's all this stuff happening, which is very very exciting. Which means more future books. Well, let's, here's hoping. <laughs> here's hoping. Well, uh, going from that uh, that topic, uh, we're going to get a little weird on Run That Back. Like I said earlier, when Tom's away, sometimes I get a little bit weird. Um, and so, uh, and Mike, you and I get pretty weird when it comes to fantasy sports. And, uh, you know, sometimes one of us will email one another to be like, Hey, I've got this idea for a fantasy league and we'll be like, okay, let's do it. You know? And I think we've talked on this program about the historical figures league. Um, but you told me, um, pretty recently that you've been tracking, you've been kind of doing your own fantasy league, like a one person thing that you've just been tracking. Can you, can you explain what this is? Yeah. Yeah. It's not even a game per se. It's just right. So, devoted listeners may know that Scott and I are in this league called Multiball. Yes. Where we have baseball, football, basketball, hockey, with one big roster, and you add up the standings at the end of the year. So, you can, tra- you can trade, if Kevin Durant's not happy on your basketball team, you can trade him for a wide receiver. It, it's the greatest fantasy um, fantasy sports league in the world. Um, and, you know, at me on Twitter, because nobody's going to beat it. Anyways, keep going, Mike. Exactly. And, uh, and in, in fact, like we've kind of expanded to the point beyond which we're not going to expand, but I've actually set up other people with our system. So if you want to do an eight team, uh, fantasy league, or if you want to do a four sport fantasy league, hit up Scott on Twitter, hit up me at, at Mike Vago. Yeah. Uh, and, it's uh, a, it's a cool thousand dollar entry fee. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, make, make, checks payable to run that back that's right that's a joke everybody that's a joke yeah so anyways uh but keep uh, going with this new idea so we've been we've been playing we've been doing multi-ball with a group of friends for about 11 12 years and it hit me there are real life cities that have four teams in that city i wonder right. how they're doing a multi-ball ah yeah because our system is we add up the standings um so that every season of a sport is worth the same 
Right. So every baseball game is worth one point. Every um, every football game is worth five. Basketball and hockey are worth two. And so I had to adjust a little bit because we don't play every baseball game. We combine a couple of days at a time so that you get, you know, catchers who sit and right. train, you know, travel days and that sort of thing. So, so I took the the cities that have that have four teams, or New York and LA who have eight. New York <laughs> kind of has nine if you count the Devils. And then because I don't do anything small, uh, I also looked at some teams <laughs> that had three, some cities that had three teams, and then one you could kind of fudge. Yeah. Like Tampa has the Buccaneers, the Bay Rays, and the Lightning, but then the Orlando Magic are just up the street. Right. Yeah, so that's close them. enough. Yeah. Yeah, and like Toronto has the Blue Jays, the Raptors, the Maple Leafs. And our Buffalo Bills are, have actually played in Toronto. Yes. And uh, during a sort of ill-advised attempt to get more Canadian fans. Right. So I threw, I threw the Bills in with the Toronto teams. So I have 19 cities that have four teams either in the city or, or close enough, um, including I broke up New York and New York and Brooklyn. And so Brooklyn gets the secondary teams, the Mets, the Jets, the Nets, uh, the Islanders. Nice. Yeah. And then Los Angeles in uh, also has Anaheim which you know what the lesser teams are in the Los Angeles area. It's the Angels, the Chargers, the Clippers, the Ducks. Yes. One of the most telling things about how everyone feels about the Chargers is if you go to NFL.com, the abbreviation for, for the Rams is LA, and for the Chargers is LAC. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, the Rams get Los Angeles, and then we also have this other team. Sorry. Yeah, it, it should have never happened. They should be San Diego. Anyways, keep it's, going. It's even even the Jets who play that giant stadium didn't have that kind of disrespect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it's just, I, I started this in the 2020 season, and then I went back into 2019, and then I did 2021. So now I've gotten to the point where with three seasons, I'm also adding up all the seasons. So like over the long haul, who is the best sports town? Oh my gosh, Mike. And so for the last three years, it's LA. So 2019. Um, so wait, let's run it back. So run that back. See, I just did the name of the show. Um, <laughs> so 2019, who is the champion? Uh, Boston. Boston. Okay. Because the Patriots had a good year. Celtics had a good year. Bruins had a good year. Red Sox had a good year. None of them won a title. And this sometimes happens in multiball where oftentimes somebody will win a couple of the sports and then they win the whole thing. Right. But sometimes you're just pretty good in all of them. Right. And they're all, all four, all four teams are playoff teams. And, um, and so they finished well ahead of like Los Angeles was next. The Lakers won the NBA finals that year. Uh, Toronto was behind them. And again, just all the teams were good. Nice. And then 2020, Toronto does the same thing. They end up on top because all their teams, the Bills were 15-3 if you count the playoff wins. Yeah. And they were just good in every, the Raptors went, only had 19 losses. They had a great season. Leafs were good. Jays were good. Um, And then Tampa behind that, I I actually, Tampa finished in second place by one point despite winning the Super Bowl and the Stanley Cup and losing the World Series. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. But the Orlando, the Orlando Magic dragged him down. Yes. <laughs> as, as you would expect. As you would expect. I think that's just in in general, the Magic just dragged me down. They're like, why are we even doing this? Anyways, so yeah, then, exactly. um, so that was 2021. Um, or that was, 20, that was 2020. 2020. 21, 21, Boston's back on top. Yeah. The, uh, the Celtics went to the NBA Finals. Right. Um, the Patriots... Didn't even win the division, haha! But uh, they had a winning season. The Bruins were very good. The Red Sox were very good. They almost won 100 games with, if you throw in the playoffs. And so, um, so that's finished. right. So the 2021 season kind of ends in March, right? 
Yeah, I should I should mention that that we start we do this with multiball too. We start on opening day with baseball mm-hmm. because it's the only clean break you get between like regular seasons. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You, you don't want to start New Year. You don't want to start New Year's like in the middle of the basketball and hockey seasons. You totally. Really gotta, um. So, so so Boston Boston won in twenty twenty one. Um. Yes. Wow. And so, so in 2022, we've only had baseball thus far. So that right, so now means it's just, now it's just the baseball standings. You got to kind of yeah. Um, so I guess the New York, uh, the New York team is winning, right? Yes, that's true. Well, I mean, there's the New York team just has the Yankees, and the Brooklyn team has the has the Mets. That's right. Yeah. So okay, I I love this. I can't believe Mike that you're keeping track of this. But then I, as I'm saying it out loud, of course I can believe it. This is so you, but I also love it. I think it's really great. Uh, I don't know why like ESPN doesn't just put this up. Yeah, exactly. Like oh, and I need to get my my son Levi into this because it's like geography and sports you know it just like yeah it, it combines everything i mike that's incredible it's also it's a great thing if you're you know if you're from a town like boston it's a big sports town and you're loyal to your town not just one particular team right like you can see how your how your city's doing but there's also an interesting thing yeah looking at the teams that have looking at the cities that have four four teams and the ones that don't like pittsburgh's a big sports town they don't have a basketball team right and there was nobody in the nba who was kind of close who i could fudge yeah but the big things are houston and atlanta which are you know two of the top 10 like metro areas tv markets and they don't have it because they don't have hockey the flames didn't stay in atlanta and houston's never had a hockey team yeah and the south and like you know carolina I think they were uh, like, the thrashers the atlanta team uh, that's that's right yeah that's they the went point. back to winnipeg yeah that's right. Um, and, and, you know, hockey had this grand experiment of taking all the teams out of Canada, out of Canada where the hockey fans are right. and putting them in places that had never seen snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, Arizona still barely has a team, but it, it's still really weird. Um, yeah. Well, there's another thing with looking at the teams that have – the cities that have teams – there's almost um, and the, and the cities that have gotten expansion teams in recent years. There's almost these sort of legacy cities mm-hmm. of like Detroit and Cleveland and Pittsburgh that you know were, when these leagues started, those are the big cities and they've kind of fallen by the wayside. Right. And then you've got these sort of up and coming like Las Vegas went from zero teams to two in like two years. Yeah. And I, I'm still like Phoenix is the fifth largest city in America. Like what? There's no <laughs> water or arable land or any reason for like to support human life and yet. They're huge, you know, it's a huge city, so of course they have teams in every every league now. Yeah. But the other thing is that the you know the best the best sports city um, over the last three seasons that I tracked, LA is on top right now. Toronto, Boston, uh, Tampa, Miami—they're all pretty close to the top. But the worst city mm-hmm. has no competition. Yes. The worst city. The worst city is Detroit. Oh, poor Detroit. Poor, I know. Like, like Detroit doesn't have enough problems, but the, the Tigers are mediocre. The Lions are very bad. The Pistons are very bad. The Red Wings are very bad. Yeah. And you, you want to hear some sad statistics about Detroit? Please. <laughs> so when when Seattle added, added, added the Kraken, they made the four teams club. I, I moved the port. I lumped in the trailblazers yeah um and so I went back and added them to 2020 2019 see how they did with three teams 
they finished ahead of Detroit in 2020 and 2019. <laughs> oh, no. But remarkably, in 2020, the Seahawks won 12 and 4. And actually, the mayor, the mayor's and trailblazers are about a 500, and yet they finished ahead of New York, Brooklyn, San Francisco, and Detroit. Oh, my God. <laughs> because that's how bad those, those cities were that year. Um, and in, again, in, back to 2019, and granted, 2019, oh, no, that was, that was pre-COVID, so we're playing regular length seasons. Yeah. I'm, I'm tracking 19 cities that have four teams in or adjacent. Nine of them got more than twice the wins that Detroit had in 2019. Oh, my God. The Tigers lost 100 games that year. Uh, the Lions won three and a half. The Red Wings were 17 and 49. Oh, I guess was, this was the basketball hockey season, which cut short by COVID. Yeah. So they, they, they didn't get a ton of wins, even on even apart from having losing teams. But you know what? Everybody else was in the same boat. And, like, um, you know, it was an odd season. But half of the, half of the league was twice as good as Detroit. It's, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I feel so bad for Detroit. Uh, Mike, that's, that's just incredible. I'm glad you're tracking this. Yeah. It feels like we should just get an update from you. So maybe, maybe we just need to set the calendar of this, um, to like check in, even if you're like shooting me updates and I provide them on the air because we just need to track this. You're right. This needs to be on ESPN. So it, since ESPN's not doing it, you're going to provide it so that we can we can publish it here um, and share it here on Run That Back. Quickly, um, we've got to go in just a minute. But Mike, where can people find your books? Oh, uh, ev- everywhere. Yes. If they're not on the shelves, you look at bookstore, you can order them. And then the you know, gigantic book ordering conglomerate that's taken over in America. Yes. <laughs> uh, that, that has them all. I won't say its name because I encourage you to support your local bookstore whenever you can. That's right. And, and uh, if, if they don't have it in stock, they will, they will order them for you. They're all in print. They're all still out there. And what's the, what's the name of the new book that's available for pre-order? Uh, the planets are very, very, very far away. Thanks for listening to Run That Back. We'll see you next week.